Well, good morning. How y'all doing today? Are y'all excited about Christmas? You're excited? I'm just excited because, you know, it's like here, it's done, shopping's done, Amazon delivered all the packages I needed delivered, yeah, I don't have to worry about it, all the kids are out of the house, so guess what? We didn't even put up a Christmas tree this year. <gasps> Pastor didn't do a Christmas tree? No. Guess what? We've got five here, one back there. That's good enough. Uh, and, and the reality is, unfortunately, is even with everything going on, it, it, you know, we know Jesus is the reason for the season, and we get so excited about this buildup for Christmas and everything that's going to happen, and then tomorrow gets here, and, and toys are open, there's paper all over the place, and guess what? Someone's going to be sitting there disappointed. Someone's going to be upset. Someone's going to be mad. They didn't get what they wanted. I can't believe my parents didn't get me this. Some poor young lady out there is going to be saying, I can't believe he didn't ask me to marry him, you know, because they always do it on Christmas Eve. And we're going to have these disappointments or, or maybe the dinner's not going to come out right or maybe Amazon didn't deliver your package on time, you know, or... or don't use USPS because you know it ain't going to get there till like February. But, but we, in this life, we, we have these disappointments. And that's what we've been looking at through this Christmas option. Uh, as we look at what Christmas is about and, and we look at biblically the things that happen, um, it wasn't always like the nativity scene. It didn't always look like the Christmas card. You know, in their life, there was hard times. There would be nothing easy if we placed ourselves inside God's Word or inside the situations that were happening leading up to the birth of Jesus. It would have been tough for all of us. We, we would have run into different opportunities. We would have run into questioning what's going on. I mean, like I said back in week one, the reality of, wait a minute, you mean you're pregnant and it's, I'm not the father? Are you kidding me? You know, it's that reality of, there would have been some disappointments there. There would have been the, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's it. I'm done. We're getting a divorce. You're gone. You're out. I'll do it quietly, but you're out. And then God shows up. And through that disappointment, we see God showing up and understand that disappointments are opportunities for us to actually worship God for us to take that time to, to serve God and to serve others. And, and back in week two, we saw about, you know, we, we all go through this time of when the holidays where we just get inconvenienced. We got to do things we don't want to do, and we got to go to people's houses and maybe sleep someplace that ain't ours. And then we got to go by the rules of that house instead of the rules of our own house. And, you know, or... Like when I was a kid, we had to take that long, long drive to Miami that seemed like it took days, and it only took like 40 minutes, but it was that inconvenience and then having to wait in order to actually open up presents, and last week we looked at that, that the whole climax of the Christmas story. We looked at the birth of Jesus, we looked at the shepherds in the field, we looked at the magi coming to, to seek Jesus, and even that realization that, you know, their normal routine got interrupted. 
But with that routine that got interrupted from the shepherds doing their job, uh, from the Magi, all of a sudden they see this star, they start to follow it because they know it's about the birth of a king. Even through them interruptions, God had a unique plan for them. He had this unique opportunity for them to be able to, to serve and do other things. Now, of course, as you look at this whole Christmas story, you'd be thinking, man, everything leading up to the birth of Jesus, man, it's got to be happy, happy, joy, joy now, right? Man, he's been born. It's going to be beautiful. It's like one of them great childhood stories that at the very end you read, and they lived happily ever after. Has anyone here lived happily ever after yet? Uh, wow, I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> you know, because like I said, we have these disappointments in our life. We have these things that go on. And, and just to realize in that it's not going to be smooth sailing. It's not always going to be smooth sailing in our life. And, and that's even what you see here in the Christmas story. And, and we, you look at the birth of Jesus and, and he was rejected by his own people. They were jealous, thinking he was, the king was jealous, thinking that he was going to, oh no, this new king is born, what are you kidding me, I'm the king, and jealousy sets in, and you know, there had to be some severe disappointment in their life. But the reality, and kind of the big idea for us today is remember that life rarely looks like what we thought it would, but that doesn't mean that God's promises aren't true. Because we all know life rarely, we all have this big picture of what we think it's going to be. And then reality sets in and you're like, oh, really? Really, that's how it's going to be? And the reality is we all deal with disappointments. But the beauty of Jesus being with us is that he can fully relate to those feelings. He can fully relate to what we've went through because he's went through it and no matter what we're going through, we have someone who understands and still offers hope to us. So today we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. Uh, actually, we're going to be all over the place. Isaiah, Matthew, John. We're going to start out in Isaiah. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Uh, the Bible in the back of the pew is on page 792. But as always, it is going to be up here on the screen. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 9. Verses 6 and 7. So at this time I'd like to ask everyone to stand up as we give reverence to the reading and the hearing of God's Word. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, and you can go ahead and read with me. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Praise be to God. You may be seated. I look at this scripture. And I just think about, you know, Isaiah gives this picture of who Jesus is going to be. And when I look at this, I can kind of understand why the Jews believe what they believe. 
Because when you look at this scripture, you're thinking, man, the government's going to be on his shoulder. We're going to have a king. And we're going to have a king who's going to rule and he's going to get us away from this Roman oppression. And we're going to be this great, vast country like we were with King David. And as you read this and you look at it, you're like, oh man, I can see it coming. And then reality hits. And we need to realize even in our own life that our mind's picture of God often doesn't match who God really is. You know, sometimes we create that God in our own image or what we think he should look like according to us or what we think he should do according to, to what we want in our life compared to what he's going to be and what he's going to do. And you see, this is exactly what happened with the Jews. Is because of this scripture, they were looking back, they saw all of these prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. And what they did is they held on to, to part of this one with that whole, the government will be on his shoulders. And, and that he was going to bring peace, you know, this, this external peace to the world that, that if we get this king and he removes Roman oppression, we can then have peace here on earth. And, and this external peace that, you know, we, we would love to have in our life. We'd love to see peace around this world. Uh, we'd love to have peace, but realize that Jesus didn't come for an external peace. Jesus gave to give us an internal peace, that peace that lives inside of us, and not outside, but that peace that only he can provide inside of each of us. And the realization is here, even the Jews who who listened to their protégés, who had all of this lined up, this is what our Savior, our Messiah is going to look like, and now they're disappointed. They, they took this picture in their own mind on taking the Scripture and saying, He will rule the world, and not realize that He wasn't coming to rule this world. You know, And, and later in Jesus' ministry, we, we saw that he didn't come. His world, he wasn't thinking about this world. He was thinking about a kingdom, but he was thinking about a heavenly kingdom. He was thinking of the kingdom of God, not something that was here, thinking of that eternal kingdom instead of a kingdom here that will perish away, instead of a kingdom that will go away. He had bigger plans on his mind. But so often we get stuck on, but this is what I want. But God, th th this is the picture I have. And, and I want that storybook ending where we'll live happily ever after. And, and God, I accepted you as my Lord and Savior. Why do I have these disappointments in my life? The realization is when you look at the life of Jesus, there were disappointments. It wasn't all, I, I love to say it, it wasn't all unicorns and puppies and rainbows. That's right. Life is hard. We deal with it just like they, the world has to deal with it. And, you know, I think about advertising. You kind of get this false advertising that goes out there. Um, I remember four different movies by, by this uh, movie director. The movie Unbreakable, The Sixth Sense, the movie Signs and Split. You know, I remember watching the trailers for these movies. And, and, and I like horror movies. You know, I think it's 
fun, you know. And, and, and as I was watching these trailers, they had that creepy sound to them. And, and they had things like, as you're watching the trailer, that tried to like jump scare you. Oh my God, oh, I can't wait to see this movie. It's going to be so scary. And then I went to see it. I was like, there was nothing scary about this movie. And they had, so basically, they had this trailer that came out, and the movie didn't match the trailer. And, you know, you're sitting there, and you, you get disappointed in it because it doesn't make sense. And I think that's kind of what the Jewish leaders did. They watched a trailer that was set in motion by the people before them with the belief and a view of this is what it's going to be, and then it wasn't that. And all of a sudden, frustration kicked kicks in. All of a sudden, they get these disappointments. You know, I remember, oh man, this is going to be a great horror movie. Oh, no it ain't. So now here they're looking at, hey, we've got this king coming, this ruler coming, and all of a sudden, Jesus is like, love your enemies. What? Love your enemies. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he starts teaching not what they expected. All of a sudden, the trailer and what they've looked at coming through from, from their uh, family members and from down the line, all of a sudden, it's not what it appeared to be. So they had this disappointment that came with them. And, and not realizing, like I said, that it's about this internal peace. And that he would be the only one, the Prince of Peace, who can give us that peace inside. I know during the holiday seasons, there's times I just want peace, especially when the kids were in the house. I used to dread Christmas Eve because you'd have to get the kids to bed, and then you'd have the 500-part toy that you had to get put together. And being a man, I don't look at instructions. I can do this. And then you get like three quarters together and you find out the back piece is on backwards and you got to take it all apart and put it back together. Sometimes it pays to have someone else do it and find a place to hide it until Christmas Eve. But, but you know, it's like, wait, I got to do this. And then unfortunately that disappointment kicks in and, and there's definitely no peace when you're trying to put that together. There, the, I learned that I could speak in tongues while trying to put some toys together. And it wasn't the tongues that you want to hear. <laughs> and, and I had no peace. I had no joy. I had none of that. And by the time I got together and I went to bed, it seemed like I just hit that pillow. And, Daddy, it's Christmas. Wake up. Give me five more minutes. <laughs> and it wasn't peace until you got out of bed. And then again, the kids opened up all their presents, and guess what? That one present they wanted that you could not find ruined their whole Christmas. And then you get the whole dramatics. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Go ahead, just, just look, just look at it. Mm-hmm. We get that whole dramatics going on. Also, I can't believe, oh, you don't love me. You didn't get me the toy I wanted. I can't believe you didn't do this. There is no peace. I'm telling you, it gets crazy, doesn't it? But yet, this is what Christmas is about. Here we got the Prince of Peace. We, we got this ruler coming. And it's not what we thought. And then you start questioning, man, are God's promises really going to be there? 
I read all this in the, in the Word, and, and I read the Old Testament, and, and now he, he didn't come to, to get rid of Roman government, and he didn't do this. You know, is all this really going to happen? It's a realization that we need to shift that perspective from what we think to what he thinks. And the realization that his plan is so much bigger than our plan. And remember that through Jesus, we were provided forgiveness, mercy, and peace. We just seem to miss it. It's so easy to get caught up in everything else, and especially when we get disappointments in our life. A lot of times I think our disappointments, you know, all of a sudden, oh, my God dream is dead. The realization is our disappointments don't mean God's dream is dead. It just means it may have switched or it may have changed. Or maybe we're not doing what we should be doing. <laughs> so the I continue. I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. As I said, we're going through the whole Christmas story in this, ser- in this series. And, and last week we saw the Magi. And they came, they, they met Jesus, gave him the, the gifts, and then through a vision they were told, don't go back to King Herod, go home a different way. So they went home a different way, and then the scripture actually picks up and, and says, where am I at? Okay. <laughs> it says, after they were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, get up. Take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to kill him. Talk about more disappointments in the story. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he realized that he had been outwitted by the wise men, flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men. Then what was spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet, was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be consoled because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Get up, take the child with his mother, and go to the land of Israel, because those who intended to kill the child are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and entered the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father, Herod He was afraid to go there. Then he went and settled in the town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. So as we talk about God's promises just in this scripture right here, three different prophets, three different prophecies that were made in the past came true. And all of this because King Herod thought wrongly. He automatically assumed that here this king was coming to take his place. So as he thought, he got enraged, he got outwitted by the, by the Magi who didn't go back because, remember, 
He told the Magi, when you find him, let me know where he is so I can come worship him. He had no plans to worship him. And God intervened. So here we see Herod up in rage, goes and he, he ends up killing every child from two years and younger, which actually fulfilled prophecy. We see that Joseph and Mary warned in a dream they head to Egypt. So you, know, you look back at this, you see the hand of God throughout the birth of Jesus. But if you put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes, would you think they've always felt the promises of Jesus or the promises of God? Because here's the reality. All of a sudden it's like, oh, get up. you got to move. Hey, you got to go to the census. you got to go to Bethlehem. You get there. Oh, guess what? There's no place for you to stay here. Stay in the barn. Stay in the stables. Oh, there's no bed. Lie your baby in a manger. Oh, wait, we got all these important people coming to get him, but now the king wants to kill him, so guess what? Now you need to get up, and even though you had to travel all that way while Mary was pregnant, guess what? She just gave birth a couple years. You need to now go to Egypt. So now get up and get uprooted again. And through it all, they had to be, man, where's this promise of God? I, I thought this was going to be the Messiah. I thought this was going to be this king. How come we're always on the run? How come we always got to do these different things? And all of it was still to fulfill the promises of God. Even in our own life, there's times we're going through things, fulfilling promises of God, and we may not think, man, I don't know where God is in this. But it's amazing that when we look back and we're able to see a full story, how we can see how God showed up. And how God was in there with it the whole time. You know, it kind of reminded me, I was reading uh, through the Lord of the Rings, this, the novels. And in one of them, The Fellowship of the Ring, there's a scene where, where Gandalf, the character now, Gandalf kind of started his whole journey. He was the leader of it all, and, and he meets, meets a monster inside a cave, and, and he actually sacrifices himself to save everybody else. And what happens during this time, he falls and it appears that he's fallen to his death. And now the realization of all the other characters, what are we going to do? He had the vision. He was our leader. We were following him. He, he was like the gatekeeper. And, and now what do we do? And, and they continued on, but there was confusion. And then later in another book, in the Two Towers, we actually see that Gandalf's fall actually didn't kill him. He actually didn't end up dying, and although it seemed impossible, he was still there. And I think it's a great example of seeing the impossible come true. Because sometimes we, we get so caught up in, in, the, in the fall. Or we get caught up in, hey, you know, this is the way we were going, and, and it's not working, it's getting rough, it's getting hard, and, and we still got to keep pushing. Sometimes we forget and we take our eyes off the course. And then what happens? We get disappointed. And then when we get disappointed, we get frustrated, we get mad, we get angry. And instead of pointing at something that we may do ourselves, we start pointing at God. I can't believe you. You ever been there? God, why me? 
I don't ask that at the time. <laughs> it's more like, why? why? Why are you doing this? What's going on? And the reality is, throughout Scripture, God's promises always come through. That they always make it there. But sometimes in the midst of it, you kind of feel like, wait, where'd God go? You know, it's like, hey, we're walking this planet. God, I'm doing what you called me to do. I see your promise. I see the future. And all of a sudden, you make a right turn. You're like, where did it all go? God, where are you? Why, why am I going through this? Why do I have this hard time? And, and it just gets frustrating. But the realization is God's promise ain't going to change. It's still going to be there. Generally, what happens is we turn where we shouldn't turn. We take a step we shouldn't take. Or if anyone's like me, God's like, come on. And I'm like sprinting. You know, I'm running over there and God's like walking. Meanwhile, I'm like, come on, God, catch up. You know, because I want to do it on my time. And I want to get it done. And God, this is my plan. This is the whole itinerary. I've got it all laid out for you, God. Let's get it done. And God laughs at it. Says, yeah, I don't think so. We're going to get there, but we're going to do it my way, not your way. We're going to get there in my timing, not your timing. And, and, and then when that happens, that frustration kicks in. But it's in those times that we need to just put that trust in Him. Put that trust in God that His promises are going to be there. And, and understand that when He makes that promise, it's going to be there. It's going to happen. It's going to be fulfilled. And he's never going to remove it from us. We need to be open and honest and understand that if he's preparing it for you, it's going to be there. It's when we prepare for ourselves that we run into the problems. And then, of course, we run into problems, you know, our bad experiences. We all of a sudden is like, woes me. Y'all know that one, right? Woes, I can't believe this happened to me again. Of course, I went down the same road I had went down last time. And last time it was a dead end and I hit another dead end. Or last time it went off a cliff and guess what? I still took that same road and went off that same cliff again. And we need to realize that, that our bad experiences aren't beyond Jesus' ability to relate. Every bad experience we go through, Jesus can relate to it. He's been here. He's done it. As I tell people all the time, been there, done that, got a t-shirt, washed my car with it. Jesus can relate to what we've gone through. And in John chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, it actually tells us, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive them, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was born humbly into this world. Into the world that he created. 
Now think about that. He created this world and he came in as a baby. And actually, as I said a couple weeks ago, the realization of he, he didn't just come in as a baby. He came in as an embryo. Little tiny embryo. Think about that. Came into this world, planted into a virgin, grew up and lived life just like we did. But yet he created this world. He could have very easily, snap of a finger, whatever it may be, changed the course of the world, but chose to come into the world himself. He, he chose to be part of it. He stepped down, took form of this lowly member, and he lived among us. And when you even read in his word, some people rejected him. His own people rejected him. People rejected him. They slandered him. Others, uh, people, some accepted him. But through his life, he had to experience pain in everything that we go through. The difference is he remained perfect. He lived that perfect life. And I mean, you think about it, it wasn't like he had perfect parents. Heck, Mary and Joseph lost him. Y'all remember that? Lost him. I lost my son. I know one day I was in the mall and my son came up missing. I like freaked out. I mean, I was like, oh my God, this is like crazy. They lost their kid. Oh, we're trying. And then I'm thinking, you were walking for like three days. How'd you miss them for three days? I mean, I'd like to miss my kids for three days when they were young sometimes. But I think I'd miss them, you know, and it was only like three minutes. And I thought it was a lifetime. But, you know, you, you think about through his life, Jesus was disrespected. He was rejected. He was tempted by Satan. Um, he was accused of things he didn't do. He had to face temptation, had to face struggles in his life, and he kept the course. He kept the course to do the Father's will. To do what he was sent here to do, remain living that perfect life, didn't allow those disappointments or things that happened in his life to affect who he was. Now the realization, if any of us would have grown up in that same situation, we probably would have had different thoughts. That's it, I'm killing all y'all. I'm doing it's whatever it may be. Y'all rejected me, I'm getting an army, we're going to come take you out. I'm going to take you to the, no, I'm going to take your promised land. You want a king, I'm going to be a king, and I'm going to come conquer you because of the way that you treated me. But he didn't do any of that. He brought peace. He brought love. Brought that forgiveness that all of us need in our life. Kind of reminds me of the show. It's kind of this imperfect visual of Jesus, but I'm, I'm a picture kind of guy. And I think of the show Undercover Boss. You know, an undercover boss, the CEO or the founder of the company, you know, goes and takes his lowly position inside the company, and they may be playing like cashier or, or something, and they get to know these people for like a week or two. They're working inside, and they don't realize who they are. And they meet some gems in the company, some people who are just like maybe a cashier themselves, but they have this vision and, and things that could make the company so much better. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this person really gets it. And they're making like 
15 bucks an hour. And meanwhile, my manager over here who, who I've been spending time with talks bad about the company, talks bad about the owner. Oh, wait, you're talking about me, but you don't know who I am? And they go through all this, and then in the end, the hidden gems that they get, they kind of, you know, they all of a sudden they get a promotion, and maybe they help them pay for school, or whatever it may be, you know, they, they, they give them something for what, who they are, for who they generally are. And then that person who was talking smack and talking bad about the CEO, all of a sudden, they find out who the CEO is, and they get handed like, you're fired kind of thing. Here's your pink slip. Get out. You don't deserve to be in my company anymore. Jesus kind of went through the same thing. Now, like I said, it's imperfect. It's not a perfect picture of Jesus, but I think we can see that. Here, the creator of the world came back as an undercover boss. He came back into this world to see his people, his chosen people, you're my chosen people. I'm giving you, here's your promised land. We're going to come in and flow in milk and honey. All of these promises, everything they've been through through life. Hey, I fulfilled all of these prophecies. I'm your Messiah. And what do they do? Spit on him, persecute him, talk bad, hang him on a cross. Smite. Smite him. Alan's favorite word. The, the realization is we do the same thing. We, we saw what the Jews did to Jesus because Jesus wasn't who they thought he would be. And we do the same thing. We have a picture of who we think Jesus should be. <coughs> we have this idea of what God should do in our life. And then when it don't happen that way, we get disappointed. We get frustrated. We get angry. And there's times we're no better than the Jews because we hang Jesus on a cross. We persecute him. We walk away from him. And generally when that happens and disappointments happen, what do most of us say? I'll handle it myself. Anyone who's ever married and they hear their wife, fine, I'll do it myself, you know you're in trouble. Men, that means get up. Get up and move. Very quickly. Very quickly. Happy spouse, happy house. Someone corrected me on happy wife, happy life. <laughs> But we do the same thing the Jews did to Jesus. We expect him to do something that we want, or we expect him to be the way that we want, instead of us doing what he's called us to do. He's the creator of the world. He created this world, came back into this world, willingly went to a cross to die for us, also that we could have that peace so that he could fulfill the prince of peace so that the government would be on his shoulders because the kingdom government is on his shoulders. When you talk the kingdom of heaven, he's in charge. 
He brings that peace. He brings that counsel to us when we need to be counseled. He's perfect in every way. And as Christ follows, I love what it says here in John, as Christ follows anyone who has given their life to Jesus, accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you get a new name. You're a child of God. You get the full inheritance. Think about that. Some of us, there's like no inheritance in our family. Hey, your parents, sorry, I worked all my life. I was a blue-collar worker. What do you got? You got a trade. That's what you got. Keep moving. We get the inheritance. We get everything in heaven becomes ours. Things that are non-perishable, things that don't pass away become ours by simply accepting Jesus for who he is, by simply knowing that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. As soon as you say that prayer, you accept Jesus, you believe in your heart, you are now a child of God. Now, does it mean all those disappointments are going to go away? Nope. Does it mean life is going to be different? Nope. Because reality is, the day you accept Jesus, guess what? The world's still going to be the same. The people in the world are still going to be the same. Your boss is going to be the same. Your friends are going to be the same. The only thing that changes is you. And when we take that and we accept Jesus and we say, you know what? We're going to make you the Lord of our life. You are my master. I'm going to be a bondservant. I'm going to be obedient to what you call me to do. Guess what? There's going to be disappointments. There may be family members who kick you to the curb because of your acceptance of Jesus. There are going to be friends who are going to be disappointed with you because all of a sudden you ain't going to be hanging out at the bar every night. Or you're not going to be sitting there waiting for that next hit. Or maybe you won't be looking at sites on your computer or whatever it may be. Whatever you're going through in your life, as he starts to change you from the inside out, there are people who are going to be disappointed. And there's times you may have that disappointment in your own life. But what you got to do is continue to move forward. Continue to know that his promises are going to make it. They're going to come true. If he tells you, I'm going to do this, he is going to do it. It's not like when we promise, oh, I promise I'll do that for you. <laughs> Don't hold on to that. I'm human. I'm liable to break that promise. Or I'm liable not to give you that promise the way you thought it was going to be. He never changes. He's not fickle like we are. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he is the Prince of Peace. He is our mighty God. And of course, the only thing that we can do is we can trust that he's working in the background of everything that we're doing. He's working in the background of our life. He's working for a bigger purpose. And even when we may not see it, it's coming. We just have to stay the course. Don't allow the disappointments in your life to affect your relationship with the Father in our life.
Our God is that big. We need to continue to seek Him in all that we do. Christmas. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. You know, the birth wouldn't matter without the death. Without the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus to become to beat sin and to overcome death and to allow us to have that forgiveness. If it wasn't for the death, the birth would not matter. We wouldn't even celebrate it. It wouldn't matter just be another day on the calendar. But thank God he was open and willing to die for each one of us. Knowing who we are, knowing our sin, knowing what we were going to do, he willingly came back into this world that he created, suffered, died, and was buried and rose again for each one of us. And one of the things that we're going to do today is we're going to take communion. And during communion it says, you know, do this in remembrance of him. So as we take this time of remembrance of him, it's pretty easy. It's Christmas. Yeah, we remember Christmas. Christmas ain't about the toys. One good thing about Christmas is family. Except for that Uncle Bob guy. You know, you don't want him around. But the family, the joy, the lights, there's just so many special things about Christmas. But it all started because he was willingly knowing he would come into this world as an infant and go to the cross for each one of us. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.